Matthew 13, 44. I love this parable. Amazingly short, yet amazingly profound. Matthew 13, 44. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then his jo- in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. And then we see this demonstration of the parable in the Apostle Paul's life over in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1. So go there with me quickly. Paul writing to the church at Philippi says this, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write these things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrews of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God from God that depends on faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. And, oh, Father, how we want to be like the the man in the parable, how we want to emulate the Apostle Paul in this, and that we would see the treasure that Christ Jesus is, that we would value Him, value him above all things and that we would pursue you lord above all things teach us today let this heavy beautiful spirit that's in here today <laughs> let it just remain through the teaching of your word that i it might be easy for me to preach and easy to hear we love you god in jesus name amen you may be seated We're continuing in our our theme series titled, Treasuring Christ Together. Somebody say this, say, Jesus is better. Okay, one more time, say it, say, Jesus is better. Okay, that's what we're talking about when we say that we're treasuring Christ above all things, that we are treasuring Christ together. Last week, uh, Pastor Chris Morris and I are in Starbucks, and a man walks in, and he looks a little bit anxious. And the last thing he needs is a dose of caffeine. But he proceeds to proceeds to, to purchase his drink and he sits down alone in the back corner of the store. And it's there that he pulls out a stack of what looked like had to be at least 50 scratch-off lottery tickets and a coin 
And he just begins going to town. I mean, one after one. And he looks disappointed. He pulls another one out, you know, time after time again. And just by looking at his mannerisms, you could tell this is no gain to him. He needs this money. He wants, he's depending on it. And I thought perhaps maybe he's like multitudes of other people in our culture that maybe he feels like the jackpot will change everything in his life, would bring him satisfaction. Maybe his treasure, like so many, is earthly possessions. There are many people, places in this world, but what we treasure is what we value most. This is important. What, when we talk about treasuring, we're using treasure as a verb. What we treasure is what we value most. And as real followers of Jesus, we should treasure Jesus Christ above all things. God should be at the top of our list. He should be our first love. We are to treasure Jesus above all things. And last, um, last week we began looking at Philippians chapter 3 where we find this incredible demonstration of what it looks like to treasure Jesus Christ above anything else. We see this in the Apostle Paul's life. And last Sunday, we actually only made it through verse 1. I was a little long-winded on that verse. And uh, where where Paul, in, in that verse, he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he addresses the subject of rejoicing in the Lord. And I just felt like we needed to spend some time on that because we need the joy of the Lord. And we looked at three realities of Christian joy. Number one, we said that joy is not dependent on circumstances. And I love that because that means that circumstances didn't give me joy. So when circumstances change, they don't have the power to take them away. I don't know about you, but that's freeing to me. Hallelujah. Second point was that Jesus is the source of our joy. And that's why we can have a a, a sureness of joy no matter what we're going through. And again, it doesn't mean that we are chipper all the time in, in the face of great sorrow. But deep down, even in sorrow, men and women of God can have a deep seated joy that's unchangeable. Because see, Christ is a sure foundation. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so his joy does not change And that joy is appropriated to us through the Holy Spirit. How many are thankful for the Holy Ghost today? Thirdly, we talked about this. This is vital that joy serves as a good gauge to our spiritual health. You want to know if you're treasuring Christ or not? Pull out the joy gauge. See, if you have joy in your life, chances are, Even in the words of circumstances, if you have that joy, chances are you treasure Jesus Christ. Because that's the only way that you can experience joy in the hardest of times. If our church, see, becomes joyless, we know that we're not treasuring Christ in this church. May it never be so. So treasuring Christ includes rejoicing in Christ together. This is our theme for this year, treasuring Christ together. So in that, uh, within that aim is to rejoice in Christ together. We want to be a genuinely joyous church. Secondly, we'll see this today. Treasuring Christ is valuing Christ. It's valuing Christ together. In other words, we see And we savor the surpassing worth, value of Jesus Christ. 
This is what it is to treasure something. It's to see that person, place, or thing as having the highest worth. And I hope you see Jesus in that regard today. So the Apostle Paul, it's very clear throughout his letters that he treasures Jesus more than anybody or anything else in the world. Are you with me? In verses 2 and 3, Paul warns the Philippians about this group of people called the Judaizers who are insisting that Christians adhere, adhere to the Old Testament Jewish ceremonial law. So they were adding to the gospel saying, it's not enough to believe in Jesus. You almost have to become a Jewish proselyte as well. And that's simply not true. And so Paul refers here to these Judaizers as the mutilators of the flesh. And he's using here a a play on words to talk about circumcision. And I, I know that sounds like a weird thing if you're new to church to talk about, but this is a theme in the Bible And as we're teaching that in addition to your faith, you had to be circumcised in order to be accepted into God's family and to have all that he has for you. Now, that would hurt our evangelism efforts, I think. You can imagine having an altar call and handing someone a knife and going, well, welcome to the family of God. Here you go. And this is what they were teaching. I know it sounds ludicrous. This is real. And these false teachers were claiming to be the real people of God. And there's some real lunatics today that are claiming, who are claiming to be the real people of God. And in verse 3, Paul says here that these Judaizers aren't the real people of God. He says that real Christians are the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, what we did today, and who, I love this phrase, who glory in Christ Jesus. Now, what does it mean to glory in Christ Jesus? To glory in Christ is to boast in Christ. It's to see Him as supremely valuable. It's to refuse to talk about yourself and how good you are and how good your ministry is instead of leaving today and going, oh man, we just have such talent there. We have this. Let's go out talking about what a great Savior we have. Hallelujah. That's what it is to exalt in Christ, to boast in Christ. And so Paul says, listen, the real people of God who those are those who glory in Jesus Christ. See, he sees the, this supreme value of Jesus Christ. So Paul begins this argument showing that if anyone could boast in the flesh, in their own achievements, in their good works, it would be Paul himself. But he says, even I, I put no confidence in the flesh. His boastings in the Lord. And and so it's clear here that Paul values Jesus more than anything that he used to have before he came to Christ. To begin with, Paul says that he values his his pedigree or his ancestry more than any or he he values Christ more than his pedigree. Verse five, he says, I circumcised he was circumcised on the eighth day. That sounds like a word weird thing to just tell people. Uh, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Why did he say this? Why did, why did he talk about being circumcised on the eighth day? It's not something we talk about today, normally. Well, Genesis seventeen twelve says that he who is eight days old among you, the people of Israel, shall be circumcised. Okay? Then he says, I'm a, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. He, he's telling them he's pure. He's not a Jewish proselyte. He's the real deal. He was not from the line of Ishmael. He was from the lineage of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And if there's anything to boast about in that day, it would be that. 
But Paul says, no, I see something more precious than my genealogy, something greater to be proud of, and namely it was Christ Jesus. See, he knew, he, he knows that Christ um, is much greater. He sees things completely differently now that he knows Jesus Christ. And he realizes that pedigree gets you nowhere. It doesn't save you. It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't change you. It doesn't make you better. You can't ride into the kingdom of God on mom and dad's coattail. You can't do it. So he understands that Christ is greater than this great family heritage. Secondly, he not only does he value Christ over his pedigree, but also he values Christ over his own performance. Second part of verse 5, he says, To the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But he says, Whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. What's he talking about is to the law, a Pharisee. Well, many of you know that Pharisees had the reputation of excelling over all other Jews in the accuracy of keeping the law. They were very disciplined people. And some of these characteristics caused them to put their faith and their trust in themselves rather than God. Have you ever known somebody like that who are so proud of their own moral achievements? They rarely talk about God. They just tell you how good they are. I was with a, a pastor just not too long ago, and we, we met up for lunch, and he starts telling me, he starts listing off sins, and how he, he starts telling me how long it's been since he's lied. If I would have had a cookie in my pocket, I would have handed it to him. Well, well, pastor, I haven't lied since this date, and, and uh, it's been a long time since I've said a cuss word, and I just wanted to clap. Like, Great job, buddy. And through the whole conversation, I don't remember him saying a word about Jesus. He's talking about his church, and he's talking about what a good guy he is. And I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure this is a sin. This is arrogance. This is pride. And we know people who do that, the, the people in church that feel like they haven't struggled quite as much as brother so-and-so. And they put themselves on a pedestal, and rather than, than, than coming to the altar themselves and seeing their own need for repentance or their own need for confession or, or their own need for, for, to draw near to God, they just kind of sit and rest and do the churchy thing and bank on their own moral achievements. And Paul says, listen, I was a moral guy. I kept the law. But I realized when I found Jesus or he found me that what his righteousness Way exceeds mine. It's infinitely greater than my own righteousness. And so Paul says, I don't boast in my ability to keep the law. Then he says, as to zeal, he says he was a persecutor of the church. This certainly doesn't sound like something to brag about, but what he's saying here is he was a defender of the Jewish faith. These are all things that he's listing for a pure Jewish man of the ancient world they would be incredibly proud of. But after encountering Jesus, Paul says, all of it pales in comparison to what I have in Christ. Anybody just feel like that? Everything before you came to Jesus Christ, receiving Him as your Lord and Savior, that everything pales in comparison to Him. I wish I could get some help today. So here's where he goes after this. He values Christ not just above those things, but above everything else. Everything else. And, and so I'm going to ask you to say it one more time to make sure you're not sleeping on, on me. Say, Jesus is better. 
verse 7, he says, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, now watch this, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. What does Paul mean here by everything? It certainly includes everything he just mentioned, the, the, the heritage, the, the tradition, the, the keeping of the law, the moral achievements. But he, he means so much more than that. Think about his life. By the world's standards, the Apostle Paul lost any sort of comfortable life after knowing Christ. Paul's writing this letter from a prison cell. He's certainly not living a life of luxury and comfort. His life is committed to spreading the gospel. His suffering increased upon knowing Christ. He lost possessions. He lost relationships. Was he bitter about any of this? No. Why? Because Paul is like the man in the parable, and he finds this treasure, namely Jesus Christ. He's so enthralled by the beauty and the value of it, so much so, in fact, that the sum of everything else he has acquired up to this point doesn't matter to him anymore. He would gladly give it all away. Jesus, in an instant, here's what happens, becomes Paul's treasure. And oh, may it be so for real life community church. If we don't see the value of Jesus Christ, we won't treasure him like Paul treasures Jesus. See, we often fail, don't we, to appreciate the greatness of Christ this starts real early in life. We're kind of trained in this way, if you think about it. And I've, I've shared something along these lines before, but, but kids are taught with this kind of unbiblical language to ask Jesus into their heart. Now, we know what they mean, and it's, it's not wrong, but I, if you're like me when you were a kid, did you picture like little mini Jesus, like crawling around in your heart? Cara's like, no, you're weird. <laughs> Yeah, I've always pictured like little like dashboard Jesus. They even make those now. I think that came from somebody asking Jesus into their heart, this idea. They're like, I'm going to put one little mini Jesus on my dashboard. And so a, a kid kind of gets this cute picture of Jesus. And didn't we, and remember flannel boards, some of you, in, in these things in Sunday school? We make the Bible stories just really cute, and they are cute in a sense. But they're much greater than a cute little story. When we move into teenage years, Jesus became to me, I mean, he was my savior, I would say. But he was somebody to help me through the test. Come on. He was somebody to help me win the basketball game. So on and so forth. And we often fail, see, to treasure the greatness of Jesus. We, we, we kind of diminish his power and his glory. In adult years, he becomes the person we pray to or in the name of before meals. And someone can help us get a job and... Someone, we, we sing nice songs about on Sunday morning. Church, he's that. He's gloriously that. But he's, oh, so much more. Let's look at the Bible, what the Bible says about Christ. And this is obviously not an exhaustive list because the entire Bible is about him. Hebrews 1.3, just let this verse sink in. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Now watch this. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. 
Think of it. And we're going, oh, if, Lord, if you could just help me get through this test. If you could just help me get... He cares about the minute details in our life. I'm not suggesting that he doesn't. But, oh, church, he's so much greater than that. Let me help you. He is, the Bible says, the the Almighty One. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the bread of life. He is our advocate with the Father. Are you thankful for that? He is the chief cornerstone. He's the good shepherd. Hallelujah. He's the great high priest. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is King of kings. He is Lamb the Lamb of God. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's Messiah. He's Mediator. The Bible says there's one God and one Mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. I'm not done yet. He's the one who sets the captives free. Hallelujah. He's our hope. He's our peace. He's our Redeemer. He's our risen Lord. He's Savior. He is resurrection and He is life. He is the Word. He is the true vine. He's the victorious one. He's wonderful counselor, mighty God everlasting father prince of peace and he is our soon coming king i wish somebody would celebrate that today hallelujah Mm. that is the god we serve that's the savior that we sing about that we preach about that is who we are to value he is the treasure in the field he is infinitely more valuable than anything or anyone else the greatest treasure in the kingdom of god it's not the blessing of no more sickness that's great i'm talking about the future kingdom i'm talking about when when we get to spend eternity in heaven When we get to to spend eternity in the new heavens and the new earth, there's so much blessing that comes with that. No more crying. No more dying. Hallelujah. No more sickness. No more sin. But the greatest treasure in the kingdom of God is God Himself. It's being with the Lord in perfect fellowship forever. So to treasure Christ is first of all to rejoice in Christ. And secondly, it's to value Christ And then here's the natural progression, and I'm just going to preach a minute on this. It's pursuing Christ. It's pursuing Christ. Look at verse 12. He writes all this about his relationship with Christ and how God is infinitely more valuable than anything else in his life, anything that he's given up. He says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect. He says, I press on. To make it my own. He's pursuing Christ because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ God and Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think of this way. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold to what we have attained. Paul's aim in life, after seeing the value, the glory, the worth of Christ, was to love Him, to serve Him. And he was looking to the day where he would be with the Lord forever. He knows Christ now. He he serves Christ now as he's writing this. But he's looking ahead to the prize. And it keeps him going in the worst of persecution. He's looking to the blessings and the rewards of the age to come. And the greatest of these, again, is Jesus himself. One day, Paul, like us, will get to be in perfect fellowship with Jesus forever. 
forever. Does that keep you going? It should. My prayer is that we would pursue Christ with that same intensity that's evidenced in Paul's life. The Oak Island money pit that's located in Nova Scotia, Canada is the site of a treasure hunt that's been going on for over 200 years now. According to Reader's Digest, in an attempt to find the alleged treasure, one company invested $10 million to sink a shaft 20 stories deep looking for this treasure. Multitudes of people, I've, I've read, done some research and just found story after story of individuals and groups who have through the years gone to great lengths, great extremes to uncover this supposed fortune in Nova Scotia. Whatever you treasure, whatever you value most in life, you will pursue. I hope that you're pursuing Christ with all of your heart. I hope that you're pursuing Christ with all of your heart. Look at your time, your talent, and your treasure. Where do you invest? I'm not asking you to neglect your family or your job or your own personal finances. But is Jesus first? There's no other place for Him. He must be the center of our lives. Love your family. Love them. Adore them. Love your career. Serve your employer well. Or if, you're, if you are the employer, serve your employees well. And do it for the glory of God. Love your ministry if you're in ministry. Love your hobbies. I, congrats to, to Brother Wayne and, and Ray for a second place in a fishing tournament. Incredible. Do it well. Love it. But you know what I love about Wayne? He did it on Saturday and he's at church on Sunday. There's nothing wrong with going fishing. Take me with you. That's, there's nothing wrong with going hunting. Nothing wrong with any of it. Enjoy your hobbies. Just make sure that Jesus Christ is always first. He's always first. Listen, I'm not trying to be legalistic when I say, don't miss church, don't, don't miss reading your Bible, don't... listen. I'm not going to beat you over the head every time you miss a service. And, and, there, and for, in fairness, I'll miss a couple services this year because I'll, I'll be taking vacations with the family. I will be in church most likely somewhere, God willing. But here's what I, I really believe is this is our theme this year, treasuring Christ together. If we really treasure him, if we see him as infinitely valuable, we're going to have the money and the funds to hire the staff we want to hire, to reach the people we want to reach, to do the outreaches we want to. Because our people are about the kingdom of God. And we're seeing that. We went from a long time ago, when I was first here, 12 contributors. It's more than doubled in, in, our, in our giving. It's incredible. And so, time, talent, treasure. Make sure that Jesus is absolutely first. It will change your life. And, and this sounds like, well, Pastor, you're telling me to put him above my family. I'm supposed to love my family. Yes. And here's why. I used to love my wife and value her more than I valued Christ. It was all about her. And I was a horrible husband. And now I'm the best one she could ever find. <laughs> Say amen, honey. All right, there you go. Seriously, it doesn't help your spouse to put them above Christ. 
Because it's idolatry and the blessing and the favor of the Lord is not going to be on your house. You're going to be a miserable person. But when I started putting God above family, my children, when I started putting, investing into God's kingdom and being about the things before buying my stuff and then giving Him the leftovers, it's amazing. My, my house is so much, it's not perfect, but it's, don't laugh. Golly, come to the altar, honey. Wow. We're real here. We're transparent. Real life. Listen, my life is so much better. I have a peace that I haven't felt in in so many years. Because Jesus is first. And see, He God is love. You know that. You want to love your children better? You want to be a better father, better husband, better grandfather, grandmother, whatever you are, sister, brother, spouse? Listen, love Jesus Christ with all your heart. And what happens is His joy, His love, His grace, His peace will fill you up so much you'll just begin to overflow and you'll love the people in your life so much better than you could ever imagine. It'll change your life. So I'll just leave you with that. Do you treasure Christ above all things? If not, would you just ask the Lord to to help you today to see and to savor like Paul? the value of Jesus.